give the Lord a cheer. Amen. Our God is good. And all the time. Oh, yes, He is. You may be seated. Thank the Lord for His presence already demonstrating its way in our service. I, I feel good in the Lord, and I know you do too. First things first. First of all, I would like to acknowledge the presence of our overseer and wife, Bishop Gary Smith. And she has a name, and it's called Sister Smith. My goodness. Um, have you ever had things like above your shoulder to take a walk? Mine did. We're go- they- and they're going, by the way, just to give you a, a, um, oh, just a, a sketch of the service we have planned at this moment. The Lord is in charge. If he wants to, if he had a, you know, if he drank something or stumbled his toe or something, said, oh, I meant for you all to do this, this way. We're going to do it his way today. Praise the Lord. But after our worship uh, is uh, finished, uh, the pastor will be speaking, and then he will speak and give our overseer uh, plenty of time to present what his presentation is all about. That will be a blessing to you. So let's 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 begin to worship the Lord in a way that we never have before. Oh my Lord, help us to worship Him, to have a worship that reaches from North Brighton church all the way to heaven's switch door and a direct line into the Lord and his office. Amen. And, all right, Brother Harold, come on up. I'm, I'm trying to preach, and I know better. And uh, here comes Brother Harold. Give him a good job. Oh, praise the Lord. All right. All the time. God is good. See you. Just throwing you a little hiccup there. I think I got you. A couple quick announcements. Um, quarterly business conference this morning. So if you want to stay for that, it'll be uh, probably about 10 minutes after service ends up here. And uh, then remember Wednesday night, of course, they uh, finished up the IAM series this last Wednesday. So I think uh, pastors having Bible study this week. So 7 o'clock, you can be here at prayer meeting at 630. And of course, remember International Assembly, 20th through the 24th, coming quick down in Oklahoma City. And following that, July 30th is our backpack event here at the church. So 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. We're going to do that. If you can be here and volunteer, there's a form there in the back if you could sign up so we know. Um, we're going to do do a little bit of food. Since we're going early in the morning, it's going to be breakfast, maybe a little simpler on the food, um, just kind of like be pancakes, so um, that kind of thing. But uh, be in prayer for that as well. Um, we want to be a blessing. It's a big ministry. Passing them out. We're going to pass out 150 backpacks and supplies again this year. So, so be in prayer for that. If you would, let's, let's stand and we'll begin this morning with a time of prayer. We want to remember the pastor. He's feeling it a little bit in his back today. So uh, uh, remember him as we pray. Is there any other requests anybody wants to make? All right, yes, let's remember Sister Molly and her house. Anything else, Sister Molly?
Uh-huh. Right. Right, right. Praise God. He gets the glory. Um, I was thinking about that this week, some of the things God did and a couple of things I overheard. But uh, God uh, has me actually starting working on a sermon. I'm sure it'll be presented sometime. So I'm going to hold it. I'm not going to say anything about it now. But uh, <laughs> you're making it difficult when you start talking about it. But, uh, but no, that was good. Good service last week. Any other prayer requests? Can I take back onto that? Um, Aunt Sharon from Iowa, she told me she shared uh, your dancing in the spirit. And the lady that she uh, shared it with was just somebody that she was taking care of their home, uh, cleaning a little bit. And she shared that, and she said the Holy Ghost just came down in the house. And your testimony and your obedience just goes on and on. Praise the Lord. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yep, you're in another state. You never know anymore with the live streaming, do you, where it goes and how fast it goes. But uh, that's that's awesome. God does awesome things. Any other prayer requests? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, he's a little banged up over there. Let's remember Joe that. Right. Okay. All right. Yes, let's remember Joe. Anything else? Of course, we want to continue to pray for the country as well, the world, everything that's going on. We don't want to forget. Pray for the leaders. Okay. Any other unspoken requests? We can raise our hand. God knows. All right, let's all pray this morning. God, we come to you at this time. Lord God, just thanking you for the opportunity, Lord, to be here this morning, God, and to worship together, Lord God. We know that you know each need, God. You know each division, each uh, individual, God, their hearts, Lord God, their requests. We just pray that you would be the answer in all these situations, Lord God. That you would be thank you for Sister Laura and her testimony, Lord God. I pray that you continue to uh, work and minister through her, God, and the one she was able to witness to, Lord, that you continue to open their hearts, Lord God, and strengthen 
have a couple of ushers come up and receive a second Sunday offering. It's a missions offering this uh, week. So everything you give, if it's not marked on a check or envelope, uh, it will go towards missions. So towards Haiti and, and uh, New Padilla down in Mexico, the orphanage. So um, if you need it to go somewhere else, just mark it on an envelope or check and it will. And if you're online, you want to give, there's, there's a button on there as well. So let's pray again. God, we come to you again, Lord, just thanking you, God, for this opportunity to give and to worship you in this way, Lord God. We just uh, pray that you would continue to uh, anoint and be with the, uh, the orphanage down in Mexico, God, and the work that's being done in Haiti, Lord God. We just pray that you would reach your hand down in those areas, God, and the leaders there and just minister through them, God, and help to provide, Lord. We just uh, trust that you will use these finances, Lord God, to do your work, God, and to uh, just further the kingdom, God. Bless those that have to give this morning, those that don't, Lord God, we give you the praise in your name. Amen.
And uh, Deji, I'm going to read the verses if you don't mind putting them up there, okay, before we sing it. Because uh, sometimes I know with a new song it's hard to catch it all. Introduce you to the word first. So it says, I'll give thanks to you, Lord, and sing praise to your name, O Most High. I'll declare your love in the morning and your faithfulness by night. Isn't he faithful? For you, O Lord, have made me glad. I will sing for joy at the works of your hands and rejoice in what you have done. I will trust in you, Lord, for I know that you're on my side. I can rest. I won't be defeated. Lord, you are the strength of my life. For you, O Lord, have made me glad. I will sing for joy at the works of your hands, and I'll rejoice in what you have done. O Lord, how great are your works. Amen? He has done great and mighty things, not just in creation, but in each of our lives. And as we were singing the last song where it talks about people of every nation and tongue, and I thought about what a day that will be when we are all together with people from every nation and tongue and them talking about the great works of our God all together. Amen?
our life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen. You can be seated as our pastor comes. Beat you to help me. Beat you. Say, say his name. What? Whatever the name. Okay, I believe you. <laughs> and if I'm not mistaken, you're about 16 now, aren't you? 14. 15. When they started coming here. Several years ago now, I remember that this young man, I used to be as tall and good looking as he is. I don't know what happened. But he, we were standing in the foyer, and he said to me, just as serious as he could be, he said, Pastor, let me have your keys. I'll drive, drive your car up. And he was so believable. I reached in my pocket and started to hand them to him, to him and he said, I said to him, how old are you? And I think he's 12 years old, something like that then. It's been a while. So believable, but uh, wonderful family. And I'll be glad when our Northwestern football player gets home, your brother, and because uh, I want to talk to him about my football team, Notre Dame. But anyway, we're grateful for all that the Lord has done, is doing, and going to do. My heart is in a good place in here where these batteries are, and I'm talking about the spiritual heart, though, that my heart is just at ease in the Lord, and I'm so grateful for Him. Yes, our Lord is awesome. Our Lord is awesome. Our Lord is awesome. Thank God. This morning, my title of this presentation, very simple, it will always work out. And then a little subtitle that we'll make reference to as we go along this morning is, what did you say? Ah. It will always work out well, you, how do you mean that? Well, really, how, how, do you, how does it work out? 
we'll find in one instance you've you got to die for that to happen. And not this church, but I remember pastoring a few churches over the years. Somebody asked me how my church was doing, and I'd say one or two good funerals away from we'll be there. I'm not saying that about us. Not you, Craig. Not you. <laughs> it will always work out. I'm going to, uh, before I forget it, after the sermon, and the Lord brings us to that close, we're going to enter into a phase in which our overseer, Brother Gary Smith, is going to be making some comments to us, and he's got some good things to say. And so I want you to understand that I got to service early this morning, and I'll be ending my portion a little early as well. This is an interesting sermon. How do I know? Because I said it. <laughs> I was there when the Lord said, this is what I want you to write, so I, I did it. It will always work out, what did you say? And I read in connection with the uh, Exodus chapter 5, verses 1, 2, 23, that, that there were some commentators that said, this is a nuisance chapter. It's an aggravating chapter. It doesn't look like the good people win chapter. Well, they, the good people do win, I can tell you, but you have to go on to the next chapter before you find out about it, and we're just going to stay in chapter 5. Notice, uh, oh, by the way, I am in the Message Bible today, except for two or three verses of Scripture for in King James, but I will denote them. But otherwise, the main thrust of my Scriptures today is the Message Bible. Here we go. After that Moses and Aaron approached Pharaoh, they said, God, the God of Israel, says, Free my people so that they can hold a festival for me in the wilderness. Pharaoh said, And who is God that I should listen to him and send Israel off? I know nothing of this so-called God, and I'm certainly not going to send Israel off. Well, who in the world would talk like that to God's people about the Lord God? But there was a Pharaoh that did at this particular name. And you know right away we're talking about the, the uh, Israelites, God's people. They're in captivity in the Babylonian provincial territory. And Pharaoh is in charge, and they're, they're there as slaves. You can read about this, I believe it's Jeremiah chapter 20, where these people were held captives, yeah, held captive for about 70 years. And they were told by God, Jeremiah, one of the tellers, you go, you go down there and this is going to happen to you. You just make friends with them, behave yourself. Yeah, build your schools, build your churches, have relationships, but 
uh, I'll come and get you in about 70 years, and that, that's the long and short of some of this. But the Egyptians, the Egyptian people, they have been enslaved. And what I just told you, by the way, is not true. It's true, but it belongs in another context. I got it out of context. So uh, I make that straight. Some of you were asleep anyway, but if you wake up, tell me, be sure to know that Brother Winchester got something out of context. This is at a time in which the children of Israel and God is raising up Moses to lead his people out of this captivity. Now, let me tell you something. Don't, don't take this lightly. But it is important to know that there are people in captivity today. They may not be enslaved in Egypt as the children of Israel were, but there are people that are in captivity. And in this particular instance, we're going to go straight forward in this. Pharaoh, when approached by Moses and Aaron, I don't know anything about your God. I've never heard anything about your God. And I'm not certainly, certainly, you just put your money on it. I am not going to give them a holiday to serve this fictitious God. But they said, this is the God, verse 3, of the Hebrews. He has met with us. They're talking to him now. And he said, this is what he told us to tell you. Let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness so that we can worship our God lest he strike us with either disease or death. Interesting situation here, folks. First of all, Moses and Aaron was not giving up. They were sent there for God. Now, Moses and Aaron did not know about the Red Sea at this point. They had not heard of the terrible conditions of the uh, desert. They were not aware that there was going to be uh, things like frogs and fleas and so on and so forth. These plagues would be placed upon the, on the people if, if they didn't succeed. They didn't know that. All they knew was that God... It's going to deliver. Sometimes, sometimes I have made some mistakes in my life. A lot of them. I mean, more than I want to tell you about. You probably know enough I made. But on the other hand, if I had been a perfected person, I probably wouldn't have been living here on this earth anyway. But the fact is, that the children of Israel was depending upon these leaders and upon these leaders to prevail upon Pharaoh to lessen their workload, give them time of worship. And so these two leaders are talking to God. Why on earth, verse 4 and 5, Moses and Aaron would be but you suggest the people be given a holiday 
back to work. Pharaoh wasn't finished. He said, look, I've got all these people freeloading, and now you want to reward them with time off. I guess that's called incentives. But Pharaoh, he didn't look at it that way. He gave it immediate attention, however, and what his attention was, he sent down orders to the slave drivers and their underlings saying, don't provide straw for the people for making bricks as you have been doing. But instead of this camp meeting thing that they're talking about and taking a holiday and easing up, the circumstances are just going to get worse. He said, make them get their own straw, make them produce the same number of bricks, no reduction in their daily quotas. They're getting lazy. They're going around saying, God, give us time off so that we can worship our God. Crack down on them. That will cure them of their whining, their God fantasies. And so Pharaoh, obviously he was in charge. He was the king. And even though he didn't know much about the Israelites, he knew that they were enslaved to the Egyptian entity. And so he cracked down on them. And he said, this will stop their whining. So the slave drivers, they went out with, to where their foremans were with their new set of instructions, with Pharaoh's orders. No more straw. Get your own straw wherever you can find it. This is Egypt they're talking about, by the way. And not one brick less in your daily work quota. So the people, they listened and they obeyed and they scattered all over Egypt looking for the straw. The foremen or the slave drivers, they were merciful, saying complete your daily quota of bricks. The same number as when you were given straw. It's a terrible thing that's happened. Moses and Pharaoh, as you can tell, had failed in their quest to get these benefits for the children of Israel. So the Israelite foreman whom the slave drivers had appointed were beaten and badgered. You didn't finish your quota of bricks yesterday or the day before and now again today. And so these workers and foremen, as the scripture says in the Message Bible, verse 15 and 16, the Israelite foreman came to Pharaoh and cried out for relief. Why are you treating your servants like this? Nobody gives us straw and they tell us, make bricks. Look at us. We're being beaten and it's not our fault. Maybe it's a good time to make a point here. Uh, My back has been out all week. Joe has re-injured his right arm, his golfing buddy that he carries on his right arm. Brother Rudy has had surgery this week, and I know Brother George's legs have just wouldn't carry him to all the places he needs to go. And so here we are. We're, we've been beaten. 
Look at us. We're a mess, personally speaking. And they said all this to the, the people. You're treating your servants. We're good boys. We, sh- we don't need to be treated this way. But now you're telling us, make us more bricks. Make us more bricks. Get our own straw. It make, makes us so uh, at a disadvantage of what we need to be doing according to the law of Pharaoh. But Pharaoh, verse 17, said, lazy. Oh, boy, I hate that word. What are you, lazy? That's why you whine. Let us go so we can worship God. Well, then go. Go back to work. Nobody's going to give you straw. And at the end of the day, you better bring in your full coal of bricks. These guys, they, they were in a difficult place, I can tell you. They wanted something that was going to please the Lord. In fact, Moses and Aaron went there because of what the Lord had instructed them to do. And now then, their instructions have fallen on deaf ears, and the Pharaoh is going to make it worse on them than it was before. And they had to go back, and with that message, and with that entourage of might and power from the uh, Pharaoh himself. The Israelite foreman saw that they were in a bad way. I'm sure they maybe even knew some of those guys by name, cared for some of them perhaps, as sometimes that happens in situations where the enemy will have some type of mercy for those that they're against. But now they're telling them what they have to tell them. Go back, make a brick, make it with straw that you've got together, make another one, and do it until you, your daily call And as they left Pharaoh, they found Moses and Aaron waiting to meet them. The foreman said to them, May God see what you've done and judge you. You make a stink before Pharaoh and his servants. You put a weapon in his hand that's going to kill us. And so Moses, he, he, he was faced off with all this. He said, Moses went back to God and said, Master, why are you treating me and this people so badly? It will always work out, by the way. What did you say? They went back to God and said, Master, why are you treating this people so badly? And why did you ever send me from the moment I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name? Things have only gotten worse for this people. And rescue? Does this, God, does this look like a rescue to you? It will always work out. What did you say? There was a man by the name of J. Hudson Taylor. He was a uh, 
minister, missionary to China. And he had these three things to say about the mission that we're called to do and God's direction in it. He said the first thing, now this is uh, Reverend Hudson, a pioneer missionary to uh, China many years ago. As a matter of fact, it was in the 1800s. And he wrote this. He says, the first thing to remember when God tells us to do this, talking about our attitude, that you as an individual, that is impossible. What God calls you to do is impossible if you do it on your own, your own efforts. The second thing that you'll find out if you continue at it, that it is so difficult. Have you ever woke up on Christmas morning and and Mama says, put this toy together for Junior over here, and you look at those parts and all those things? This is impossible. It's difficult, yes. But Taylor's remarks was this. Yes, it may be impossible. Yes, it may be difficult. But yes, it will be done if God says it will be done. It will not, it will always work out. What did you say? King James Version, Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Well, I don't know where my I put my water, but I definitely need a glass of water right now. Where is it? It's on the floor. Give it to Sister Janet. She doesn't have any limbs broke or anything like Joe. But uh, thank you. God says it doesn't matter how many parts it's got to it. It doesn't matter how difficult it is. If I'm in it, it's going to work. Very simply, it's going to work. Going to work. And then he threw the prophet Jeremiah. He said, My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. Impossible and difficult, no doubt. But it will be done. In the name of the Lord. And he concludes this thought. For as the heavens are higher than the earth. So are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts your thoughts. We have a son. Our middle son. He's in Springfield, Missouri. Mike is his name. And... Mike uh, is one of the smartest kids that are around in the country. That is, when it comes to books and so on, he, he really knows a lot of things. He's a smart boy. But when he got married, I told his wife, you really need to help him with his checkbook because he, he can't do that too good. And then when we were in Wichita a number of years ago, he wanted 
my permission to build a a tree Christmas time. And you just, maybe you heard my wife say, oh my. I, I really don't know what he did in his imagination to make a Christmas stand for that tree, Christmas tree. But I will tell you, it had at least an 8 foot 2 by 12 four times in it. Plus two by fours, plus wire and string for this giant six foot Christmas tree. He seemingly had the ability to take the possible and make it impossible and hope that God would turn it out. And then a few days ago, I, we got a phone call from them, and Mike was getting ready to, along with his wife, they were getting ready to build a three-story playhouse uh, for their grandchildren. And uh, Dad, I said, you, you guys going to do this yourself? And he said, well, the instruction says it only takes 27 hours, two people working over a span of three days to do this. And we can do it, Dad. And I I realized he could not do it. He got a picture of it the other day, and it's beautiful. Then he came to see us and found out that he stayed in the house kept bringing pieces out to his wife for her to put it on. Smart guy, finally. (laughs) Moses was to find the situation impossible. But he did not accept defeat. They did not give up. They took action. They determined to stay in there. The slave drivers and their Uh, People under them, they went out when they seen their renewed energy, remembering to them, remember you, no more straw. You got to get it all on your own. You got to do everything, and you got to have the same quota. And so that was the order. It was. That was the slavery. But again, I reminded you, I want to remind you, they had not seen the Red Sea at this point. They had, this was before then. Moses didn't know what the plan was. As a matter of fact, he, he really thought God had made a mistake. He really thought God had it confused with somebody else. And I, I don't know what all his thoughts was. But I do know that God knew what was next. In fact, God knew what that failure was going to be like. But God was there to be with them, to say, it's going to work out. And so in situations like this, as it is in life, our lives, even today, the the blame gains begin. The name calling of Pharaoh, he, he was interested in his words, He said, they're lazy. That's what you are, lazy. That's why you whine. Let us go up so we can worship God. And so they went, and they went back to work. And so nobody gave them the straw. But at the end of the day, you will bring in your full quota, which they did. 
But sometimes in dilemmas like this, people will turn on each other. In Exodus chapter 5, going down to verse 20 and 21, as they left Pharaoh, they found Moses. And the foreman said to them, May God see what you've done and judge you. You made us stink before Pharaoh and his servants. You put up a weapon in his hand that's going to kill us. However, don't forget, it's all going to work out. What did you say? I'm not real sure what the Lord is messing my brain up for. And uh, I just assume you wouldn't comment on that anyway. But here of late, since my wife and I verbally made the comment to our local church here that we felt like we were going to be stepping out from an appointment for a period of time to hopefully see our and feel our bodies to heal, ready to go when God says to go, when he says to go. As we have, as I said, it seems like God's messing my brain up. Every night this past week, I've had a, a dream in which I have been covered by debris, by foliage, by loose rocks. And every night I've dreamed trying to get out from underneath them. And every night, every morning, whenever these dreams occur, I come out preaching. <laughs> As I said, God messing my brains up. And we're going to be following God's orders because of one thing, I'm not lazy, and I'm not with people that stink or anything like that. And as people, or as Moses was to learn, it will always work out. Verily, verily, chapter 12 of John's writing, King James Version, verse 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat falls into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. As I have repeated two or three times in this particular story of Exodus chapter 5, that they had not seen the Egyptian armies chasing them out. They have not seen the uh, sea open up and walking through on Galilee uh, dry ground. They have not seen God supplying them with food and has not seen the fire by night and the cloud by day. They haven't seen the wonders of God's uh, doing that God wants to do in this life. And then I, sometime this week, I came and looking at the sermon, I came across a scripture. Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. And I got, Wow. I wonder what I do. I really wonder what all this means. That grain of wheat, see, is better off in the bushel basket of wheat and seeds waiting to be planted. But a seed in that bushel basket represents 
nothing. It'll never come to anything. It always should be seen. But when it goes into the ground and it's fermented, then it becomes to the place that it's ready to give fruit. Oh, I thank the Lord. I have had various people over the last few weeks, last few days, it hadn't been many weeks, uh, what are you going to do? The Lord is going to take care of that. He's going to take care of it. As a matter of fact, ten and a half years ago, uh, well, it would be 11 years, I guess, that uh, when Joanne and I moved to Hillsdale, and uh, I had not retired, I have went to, uh, from, I guess, just getting to the place, I, I was a little bit confused, didn't know what to do for sure, but I know, no, don't you all say I'm retiring, I'm too young to retire, I was only 65 then, and I have came to the conclusion, by the way, over the years, that I will never retire, uh, I may biologically I stop one of these days, but I, I'm not going to quit. I never will quit. And this is what was being talked about with Jesus here in chapter 12. That, that seed, as long as it's in, in the basket, it, it's not worth a thing. But you take that seed and you put it in the ground properly. And with the proper amount of the fertilizer, the watering from heaven, it becomes a seed that is producing the fruit that God intended for it to, to do. There was a man by the name of F.B. Meyer. He was a, master, a pastor and an evangelist in the country of England. And he was at one point even the bishop of the what was called the Free Church. And I think that was a beginning of the pre-Methodist and the Methodist Church, but I'm not positive about that. I only say that with that disclaimer. He wrote this, Death to his plans. Death to his dreams. Death to his ambition. Death to his schemes, death to his leadership, death to his prosperity, death to those that are in the Lord and serving in the service of the Lord, that we do not be alive and do it our way, but we belong to the Lord and die in his, and become fruitful for him. Oh, but it may not work out that way. Oh, yes. It may not work out that way. But in God's summation of things, it will work out. In the 22nd and 23rd verse of chapter 5, Moses went back to God. I like to see you and I doing this. Going back to God and said, My master, why are you treating these people so badly? And why did you ever send me from the moment I became 
that I came to Pharaoh and speak in your name, things have only gotten worse for this people. And rescue. <laughs> Does this look like rescue to you, God? Moses did a lot of things right. He said, I spoke in your name. He said, but you haven't rescued your people. Moses said, I did my part. Moses said, I did it according to your rules. Oh, gone. It will work out, though, whatever you say. It will work out. Praise the good Lord. I'd like just a few more minutes. Oh, I'm not going to take up that many minutes. I see what time it is. But I want to share just a thought. If Moses had any hope of doing all God wants him to do, he must talk to Pharaoh again. Given how poorly he was received the first time, I'm sure that he wasn't looking forward to that meeting. I guarantee you. This is not in the PowerPoint, Lloyd. But there's going to be those unexplained, no maps, no maps, Never been this way before. Yeah, you say you've had a shirt. Maybe you have, but you've never been this way before. There is something always to remember that Moses had not been to Sinai until he went to the Red Sea. And you'll never get to the Red Sea without the ten plagues. And you'll never get the ten plagues without going back and facing the enemy and doing him down. And you'll never go back to the enemy and try to listen and reason with him. Because as Job said in chapter 23, verse 10, the Lord knows the way that I take. When he has tried me, I will come forth as gold. Thank the Lord. A lot of people looking for the gold, but I'll tell you something. There's things to do before the gold comes. We have uh, many of us here at this church. We've looked for the gold and maybe haven't seen the gold the way we want to see it. In fact, as I look around and see our precious families that are here that are unsaved children in them, as I see hurts and disappointments that are existing in people's lives, we just haven't got to the place that we've got through the sea. We just have not got to the place where we handled all the plagues that are going to come our way. But remember, remember, it will always, it will always work out. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm going to end here. And we are so happy that our overseer and wife is with us this morning. And he's sharing some things with us that will be a blessing to step not only to our church, but the state as well. And Brother Harold, do you want to fix him up with the with this?